listeners, thank you so much for joining me today and welcome back to another episode of In a Dark Dark Room. I'm your host Abby and in this podcast I cover all things creep. As you may know, it was my birthday last week, hence my not uploading, but I have returned now and I have returned with an indescribably disturbing case. So I normally don't put trigger warnings on my episodes as I just I feel that it's it's very clear you know there's descriptions in all of the episodes I do it's very clear that there's going to be disturbing things and I think that if you're listening to like a true crime podcast then there's going to be disturbing content so I don't really usually put a trigger warning for each episode I do like I said put a little description in to kind of tell you what's going on so you can get an idea. And I like to put something in the title so you get an idea as well of what this episode is actually going to be about. But this week's episode is just a whole other ball game compared to the other episodes I've done. It definitely requires some warning. And I would like to clarify that this is definitely only for mature audiences. And if you are at all sensitive to crimes involving the abuse, sexual abuse and murder of children, this is definitely not for you. So please sit this one out. Save your brain and heart from the horrors that I'm about to delve into. Mum, that includes you, by the way. Do not listen to this episode. All right, so let's get into this week's case. Now, like the majority of modern day cases involving child predators and child pornography, this case begins on the deep, dark web. I have previously spoken about the dark web in terms of child abuse, specifically in my Richard Huckle episode and also in my Duggar family episode. Both you can find on my page and on Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. This case here is no different compared to those two. This also begins on the dark web. It's still really shocking to me that there is such a demand for this kind of content, never mind specific creators of this content being almost famous for the content that they're uploading on these websites. Now, this case involves one of those famous creators. And there was also at this time a very popular website on the dark web called Hurt to the Core, which was a website for sharing Hurt's core content. Now, for those of you who don't know, and I didn't actually really know what Hurtcore was until I researched this, but if you were like me and were ignorant to what Hurtcore was and your life was much better before this episode, Hurtcore is the, it's, it's, it's like a blend of words for hardcore and hurt. And it is a name given to the extreme form of child pornography involving violence, bodily harm and murder relating to child sexual abuse. So it's a it's violence on children and sexual abuse on children, but the whole point is for sexual arousal and gratification. Now it isn't specifically children that have to be hurt in order for it to be hurtcore, I believe. It can be adults, children, babies, animals, everything and everyone. But it's described as a fetish for people who get aroused by the infliction of pain or even torture on another person who is not a willing participant. So this website, Hurt to the Core, was a massive website on the dark web and was all things Hurtcore related. 
Like the website I discussed in my Richard Huckle episode that was The Love Zone, Hurt to the Core was a website that users had to upload original content to in order to be able to access and pay for videos and just general access to the website as well. So you had to be uploading your own original content to be able to look at others' content. Now, the author of this site, Hurt to the Core, was running what is described as a pedo empire. And he was a very popular user on a dark web and within the child pornography circles of the internet and the world. So an investigation was done into the owner of this website and a capture was made. Which then opened the floodgates for the police and it led investigators to some of the most depraved criminals on the internet and to ever exist in the world. And in this big case, they made one discovery of a user whose content was so dark but was almost famous to the users in this community. And the creator of this content was, of course, Peter Scully. So Peter Scully's story begins in Melbourne in Australia in 1963. Peter was a normal enough child with a normal enough upbringing with no real causes for concern in his early life or even in his adult life. He lived in a suburb in Melbourne with his wife and two children and again was just a normal enough guy who was a little bit reserved and maybe a little bit mysterious. But all in all, no one was really watching this man in Australia with great concern. Now, other than that, there really isn't that much known about Peter Scully's early life or maybe just no one's really interested in learning about his early life. It was in 2011 that Peter left his family and children behind to begin a new life in Manila, which is the capital of the Philippines. He reportedly left Melbourne due to a bunch of crimes that he had committed and they were all coming to light and he was due to get charged for them. So the other crimes that he committed included estate, like real estate and property scheme scams that would scam investors out of around 2.6 million Aussie dollars, which is around 1.4 million pounds. When he was investigated for this in 2009, he was found to also be involved in another 117 fraud and scam offences. What a scumbag, right? Okay, well, obviously it gets worse because we're here. He was also found out to be in a relationship with a teenager in, in Australia, in Melbourne. But this teenager was from Malaysia and it turns out that Peter Scully was actually pimping his girlfriend out on an unlicensed online escort service and was having his girlfriend hired for sex parties in the Australian suburbs to adult men. He was pimping out his teenage girlfriend. Now, obviously, Peter was arranging for his teenage girlfriend to go to these suburban Australian sex parties where there was adult men. So there were only a few close people in Peter's life that kind of knew a little bit about who he was. And a few of these people in his life said that Peter was motivated by one thing. Money. And that he also had some really dark sexual desires that very few people not in his circle actually knew about. And when we learn a lot more about Peter's business practices when he fled Australia and what he ended up being arrested for later in life, those two comments about money and sexual desires make a lot of sense. 
So as I mentioned, Peter decided to flee from Australia and he went off to Manila in the Philippines just before he could get charged with these crimes in Australia. Now, Australian police did set out a warrant that would immediately place Peter under arrest if he had set foot on Australian soil or was ever caught in an airport or anything. So they had him if he went back to Australia. But of course, after what he had run from and also the new life that he was planning on living in Manila, Peter had absolutely no desire to ever return home. And it was in the Philippines that Peter's odd, mysterious, dark nature was about to get so much worse. So as soon as Peter Scully landed in Manila, he made his way to the second largest island in the Philippines called Mindanao. And it was there that he met a 14-year-old girl named Carme Anne Alvarez. Carme really sadly was homeless and was herself living on the streets. Carme would actually sell her body and work as a sex worker in order to afford food and to just stay alive, really. Peter Scully came across Carme on the streets and took her in. Now, whether she was kidnapped by him or if she went willingly is not clear. And it's not really that important because she is always going to be a victim of Peter Scully anyway. But Peter promised her food, shelter and a comfortable life, of course in exchange for her obedience and willingness to do whatever he requested of her, sexually and uh, everything else, which you'll see. He manipulated this poor 14-year-old girl into being completely helpless without him and accepting of whatever he would demand from her. Peter had moulded Carme into the perfect victim and therefore she had become the perfect accomplice. Now during this time, Peter also picked up another young teenage sex worker in exactly the same situation as Carme. She was homeless, selling her body with nowhere to go and no other options. Peter would promise this girl, Liesel Margallo Castagna, the same as he had promised Carme. Shelter, food, warmth also in exchange for her obedience and worship of him. Now, Peter gave his victims two names, Angel and Lovely, and off they moved to start their new life together. Now, it was here that they would begin the workings of their very own pedo empire. They had created a site called No Limits Fun, which was successful enough for Peter to realise just how much money he could actually make off this. This was a huge win-win situation for Peter Scully. He got to play out his sick fantasies and also make a lot of money. He would charge per view of this content and most of these pay-per-view content videos and pictures would be thousands and thousands of dollars. So Peter, Carme and Liesel as the new dangerous trio would target young children similar to themselves before they were captured by Peter. Now Peter would use his two accomplices as a front, an example of what the other children could become if they followed him and lived with him. They would target starving, malnourished and homeless children who were usually 14 years old and under. Peter soon enough became confident to actually start approaching the families and parents of the young children, 
offering to pay the parents for their children and again, promising them that he would give them a much better life if the parents gave up their children to Peter. He would give them an education, a home, a comfortable life with money and options. Now, you might be absolutely baffled by this and wonder how on earth a parent could just hand over their child for some cash. But as I briefly discussed in my Richard Huckle episode as well, there is an unfathomably large divide between the way developed and developing countries live. These families can be absolutely desperate. And if they are being promised a perfect life for their child that they themselves can never offer, they will feel like they probably have no choice. Every single person that Peter Scully ever came across became a victim of his. Whether it was his sexual abuse, his manipulation, his anger, his murder. Everyone ended up being a victim of his. So keep that in mind, especially when discussing the parents of the children that Peter kidnapped and Carmi and Liesl themselves. So as I mentioned, the three of these would kidnap younger children who sadly would not be seen as missed by the locals and would take them to their home. Now Peter reportedly had about 20 to 30 young victims during his three years in the Philippines but later when he was being charged people said there were around 75 and some people suspect that it's actually a lot more than that. Now in one case a mother of seven, she had seven children so she met Peter Scully starving trying to keep her own children alive on just two dollars a day. Peter offered her a helping hand. He offered to take specifically her eight-year-old daughter and give her an education, food and a perfect life. Arlene, the mother, handed her daughter over to Peter after hearing his false promises. Now Arlene's daughter, eight-year-old daughter, was with Peter for just two weeks before Arlene started to have a horrible mother's instinct gut feeling in her stomach about Peter and why he was actually taking her away from her mother, Arlene. She made a decision to rescue her daughter and was met with horror as she had realised that her poor eight-year-old daughter had been subjected to two weeks of severe abuse and brutal rape at the hands of Peter Scully. That's not Peter's only known about victim. There was another eight-year-old girl who was taken from her auntie with also a promise of good life. The young girl's mother had actually just recently died as well and was taken in by her auntie. But her auntie was in a more difficult position and she couldn't really give this, you know, grieving young girl a good life or an education. So she ended up coming across Peter and one of his girlfriend's accomplices, Liesl. And Liesl assured this woman that she would take great care of the eight-year-old niece, like, she's with me, she'll be in safe hands, you don't need to worry about her. But sadly, this young girl was never, ever seen again. And her remains were found on Peter's property after the investigation. Another victim of the horrific abuse that was taking place inside Peter Scully's home were three sisters. 12-year-old Barbie, 11-year-old Liza, and just 18-month-old Daisy. They were also handed over to Peter by their auntie, who believed that Peter and his girlfriends could give her nieces a great life. Now, as you can imagine, these three sisters were all subjected to the same treatment as the other victims. Now, Barbie, the oldest, was reportedly forced to abuse her little sisters in unimaginable ways. 
which was all filmed for the website No Limits Fun. Now a little side note, if you've come into this episode thinking that you can handle the weight of this topic but you're now thinking, maybe not, tap out now because what I've discussed up until now is the tip of the iceberg for Peter Scully's crimes. So as I said, Peter would abuse these three sisters and also force them to abuse each other. However, the youngest Daisy, the little baby girl, was especially special to Peter. Peter Scully created a web series on his website on No Limits Fun titled Daisy's Destruction. Now this was by far Peter's most popular piece of content that he had uploaded and Daisy was his youngest victim yet. The description of Daisy's destruction listed on every video involving her was Come see a child's mental ruin, her innocence lost. Used as a tool, she'll learn how to please her mistress. Her body will be ravaged, her dignity stolen. Now there are details available about what Daisy went through, details of what had been uploaded online anyway. And I have come across this in my research, as I usually do. I usually come across a lot more like nitty gritty stuff that I just don't feel comfortable sharing on this podcast. And again with this, I really don't feel comfortable repeating what I have read about this 18 month old girl. And it is just the tip of the iceberg for what this poor baby girl actually went through. All I'm going to say about what happened to Daisy in the web series Daisy's Destruction is that she was tied upside down, tortured with barbed wire, set on fire, waterboarded and repeatedly brutally raped with objects and by Peter himself. Now listening to this, you should be absolutely horrified. And even more horrified to be reminded that the series of Daisy's destruction was one of the most viewed and popular pieces of child pornography available. And Peter was charging $10,000 an episode of Daisy's destruction. Now this series of Daisy was being streamed by Peter's international clients, including Richard Huckle and Josh Duggar of the Duggar family, both of which I've already covered. Now out of these three sisters, Barbie, Liza and Daisy. Liza was found to be alive after the investigation started taking place and after Peter was arrested. Daisy was also found alive but of course Daisy was and will still be suffering lifelong injuries after what Peter had done to her. Now according to one of Peter's accomplices, the oldest child Barbie, the 12 year old, was raped and tortured by Peter Scully then made to dig her own grave And then Peter strangled her to death with a rope and buried her in the grave that she had dug for herself. This was as well all uploaded onto the dark web and paid for by viewers. It was this series, Daisy's Destruction, that got Peter on police radars. Remember earlier I mentioned Hurt to the Core? A hurtcore dark web empire online which had a bunch of other people's content posted on it and, you know, the user, the admin, the original users, blah, 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 blah. Well, the wonder of Hurt to the Core was made by another Australian, a 21-year-old named Matthew Graham, another enormous name in the world of child pornography. He had reposted a link to Daisy's Destruction on his website hoping and praying that it would bring in more traffic on Hurt to the Core. 
But of course, as I said, Matthew ended up actually being caught. His laptop was seized and he was sentenced to just 15 years in prison. But once the owner of Hurt to the Core, Matthew Graham, was found and his investigation was done, the police had a whole other job on their hands. Peter Scully. Now, while Peter was on police's radar, unknowingly, of course, he still continued to commit these unthinkably evil crimes. And in one case in particular, this one took place in 2012, Peter told Carme that she was to go out and recruit some children to take home for their business and pleasure. Carme herself at this point had actually offered her own sister, her own little sister. But Peter decided it would be best to keep the missing children under the radar. So Carme went out to a local shopping centre and promised another two young girls a better life if they followed her, which is sadly exactly what they did. Now these two girls were cousins, they were just nine and twelve years old. Now almost as soon as they arrived at the Scully household, the abuse began and of course Peter had organised for the entire five-day ordeal to be made available for users pay-per-view online. Now, Peter began by bathing the young girls, videoing it and uploading it to the dark web. And when they were to sleep or when they weren't being abused, they would be chained up with dog collars around their neck. Now, on the second day of their abuse, Peter forced these young girls to dig their own graves outside as a threat of what would happen if either of them tried to escape. Peter would also force these two cousins to abuse each other, as well as perform horrific sexual acts on Peter himself. Now, it was said that Carme had nearly smothered one of the young girls to death while she would cover her face with a pillow to stop her screaming and crying while Peter would abuse her. Now, there were a couple of occasions where these young girls would actually end up in their own grave but still alive. One of these times was because one of them was crying for her mum too much. So Peter, as a punishment, puts her in her grave that she had dug as a warning of what would happen to her if she continued to cry for her mother. Now, of course, Peter would still subject the girls to humiliation and torture that was, of course, all filmed and uploaded onto the dark web. People again were paying thousands of dollars to watch these poor girls literally dig their own graves for days on end. And it wasn't until the fifth day of their capture that the girls would miraculously make it out alive and free. There was apparently a door left open by someone in the Scully household, which might have been a mistake, might not have been. But apparently Carme had said later when she had returned home one day to find these girls in a horrific state that even she was shocked by. She drew the line there. Whether that's true or not, we'll probably never know. But those two young cousins were free and they immediately ran to the authorities begging for their help. Police immediately went to the home of Peter, Carme and Liesl and were left nearly empty-handed. Peter and Liesl were absolutely nowhere to be found, but Carme was there. And that was the beginning of the end for Peter Scully and his No Limits fun. Carme was captured and was immediately willing to help with the investigation. Now with her cooperation, police got access to two of Peter's hard drives and they were examined by Australian police after the Australian police had heard that one of their own 
was the centre of this disgusting investigation. And Karma had also provided police with the location of a few of the houses that Peter had been renting and committing his crimes in. And with that, they were able to finally track down Peter Scumbag Scully. In February of 2015, Peter was arrested at one of his homes. He was caught so off guard that he literally had his pants down. I'm not even joking, he had his pants down. I don't know what he was doing, but you can find there's footage of the arrest online. And he literally just had it, he just had his pants down. And he had like these little white boxer, little briefs on, little pants on. How bizarre. So he was caught very off guard and he did not resist arrest. He didn't ask any questions. He just simply allowed himself to be taken away. His other accomplice, Liesl, was also arrested, but police couldn't really find enough evidence at the time to convict her, so she was released. They did eventually gather enough evidence and arrested Liesl two years later in January of 2017. But unlike Carme, Liesl apparently showed no remorse for what she had done and even tried to make it as a fitness influencer in the years after Peter went to jail before she was caught. And she would tell everyone that she was married to a millionaire from France and she changed her name and she would go to like hotels and travel and clubs and just like live this life of luxury, which was apparently all being paid for by Peter Scully. And they were still communicating while Peter was in prison and she was still running No Limits Fun. I'm not sure how true that is, but she wasn't working. So how did she get all this money? I mean, she would tell people that she was married to a millionaire from France, but... Looks like that millionaire from France could have been a convicted child predator from Australia. Now, there were several others who assisted Peter Scully in his crimes, including internet tech guys who would assist with covering Peter's tracks, a doctor who would advise and help Peter get drugs to the children so that he could drug them and make them easier to abuse. There have also been several arrests and convictions within this case, not just Peter and his two accomplices, Carme and Liesl. Now, Peter Scully was facing 75 charges, and this case, as you can imagine, was enormous. He was being accused of assaulting and abusing 75 children, but of course we will probably never know the true number. His crimes were so disturbing and severe that prosecutors handling the case were gunning for the death penalty being reinstated specifically for Peter, even though it had been abolished in 2006. And if they were going to get the death penalty, they wanted him to be put to death by firing squad. Firing squad is when the person being shot will just stand in front of like a wall or whatever and there will be like an entire squad, an entire team maybe like I don't know I don't know how many people it'll be but it'll be a lot of people standing there with guns and they all just shoot at this person and kill them that is a brutal way to go but they were they were gunning for that death penalty by firing squad for Peter Scully they didn't get it by the way but prosecution knew that this case was going to take a long time to get together and remember that there is someone whose specific job is to go through all of this content and watch it and analyse it and make sure that everything that's being claimed was done by Peter Scully was actually done. That can't be a, uh, an easy job for anyone. 
They had to filter through all those videos and photographs of kids being tortured, raped, and even murdered in this case. And remember, they, they can't just go like, skip, skip, yeah, that's it. They have to, if somebody's talking in that video, they have to sit and listen and watch that video for any sign of anyone in this case. So they'll have to match up every single video that was in Peter Scully's hands to Peter Scully, Carme, Liesel. There's so much to it. It's honestly... This was going to take a long, long time. And if Peter Scully had pleaded not guilty, could you imagine a jury going through that? So that can be an easy job for anyone. So the prosecution knew that this was going to take some time and it did. It took a a good few years. Suspiciously though, in October of 2015, just eight months after Peter was arrested, there was a huge fire in the evidence room that contained all of Peter's evidence. This destroyed pretty much all of the evidence, including videos, hard drives, memory sticks, laptops, chat logs, everything. It was all gone. It's believed that Peter had actually bribed a police officer to commit arson and burn any evidence against him. Or Peter's very own lawyer had committed this arson. But Peter was a, I'm sorry, but Peter was a stupid lanky fucker if he thought that he was going to get away with that and that would keep him out of prison. Despite his lawyer telling everyone that Peter was destined to walk free after that fire. Side note as well, Peter's, Peter Scully's lawyer was actually banned from practicing law in the Philippines for being caught up in child trafficking rings and raping young girls. Are you serious? His whole lawyer portfolio or whatever they have was made up of paedophiles and his career was built on freeing or assisting or lessening their sentences for paedophiles and Americans coming over and raping, you know, young girls from his country. What? He was doing shit like setting evidence rooms on fire to get away with it. What? What? And the fact that he's only just been, oh, you can't practice law here anymore. Maybe someone should arrest the man. His lawyer was also caught trying to contact the victims' families and pay them off for them to drop their case against Peter. But luckily they were in witness protection and that didn't work. But fucking hell. So in June of 2018, Peter Scully and Carme Alvarez were sentenced to life in prison. Now, as I said earlier, Peter's second girlfriend and accomplice wasn't arrested until a few years later, but she also received life in prison. The judge, lawyers and everyone working on this case easily said it was the worst thing they had ever, ever seen and that Peter was undoubtedly evil and dangerous and he had absolutely no morals or boundaries. Now Peter Scully and his sister have both complained about the conditions of prison in the Philippines for Peter. He was complaining that he was too warm, that the food wasn't good, he wanted an electric fan, blee 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 blee. So the court really took these complaints on and they decided to make some amendments to Peter's sentencing. So in return in November of 2022, they awarded Peter with an additional 129 years in prison to be added onto his already giving life sentence. His second girlfriend, Liesel, was also given an additional 126 years in prison for her taking part and the judge ordered Peter and his accomplices to pay 5 million pesos to the victims, which is around 87,000 US dollars. Now to this day, Peter is still rotting in prison 
for his crimes. And he's reportedly not having a great time in prison, but he's had no remorse for his crimes. He was reportedly just cold and detached during the entire ordeal from everything and everyone. Now, with the likes of Peter Scully and Richard Huckle, who intentionally travelled to these poorer, impoverished countries with higher numbers of impoverished children, in order to freely abuse and assault them, it has created a huge problem throughout Southeast Asia and specifically the Philippines for child pornography and sex trafficking. In 2016, UNICEF declared that the Philippines was one of the top sources in the world for child pornography. But that's not to say it is only a problem in Southeast Asia. Europe currently holds the title for the highest number of reports of child abuse being watched and hosted online, and specifically in the Netherlands. The Netherlands actually hosted a third of all child pornography sites that were reported in 2022. A third. The sheer size and demand for this kind of content is really getting out of control now. And I do appreciate that these episodes probably leave you feeling very down and angry at the state of the world. But this is why these types of episodes are so important to do and cover. So we can still be really angry and upset and remember those victims who were abused and died at the hands of monsters. So we can say their names, spread awareness, and maybe even someone listening to this episode will think, I actually know someone that acts a little bit like the monster in one of these stories. I'm going to look into them a little bit. And maybe we can try and make the world a little bit better. Now that's actually everything I have for this case. Again, another really rough one with a lot of emotions. Please remember to take a breather after listening to this type of stuff. This was another research that really, really got me. And as I mentioned earlier in the episode, there is more information out there about the specifics of what each of Peter's victims actually went through. I just don't think that there is a place for that on this podcast to go into these details. I don't really feel comfortable with, you know, listing the long list of damage that an 18-month-old baby girl went through by a 6-year-old man. So if you do want any more information on that, it is available online. There is a really, really, really incredible interview done by Australia's reporter Tara Brown. It's on YouTube, it's available online and she talks to the accomplices like Carme, the accomplice and Peter Scully himself and it is so incredible to watch this powerful kick-ass woman stare into the eyes of Peter Scully and call him like a pathetic man and he just, he tries so hard to like intimidate her and brush it off but it's the way that she just gets him and she literally never takes her eyes off him it's an incredible interview really go and watch it it's really really good it's with tara brown it's like 60 minutes 60 minutes australia is what it's called so go and watch that if you're interested in learning any more about this case but like i said that is everything that i have on this case take a breather go outside enjoy life for a minute and i will see you on friday for dinky darks episode and then next week on wicked wednesday it's a story it's a story week so i've already got a story all recorded that i'm really excited to share with you guys so remember to tune in for my dinky darks and my wicked wednesday next week but until then stay safe enjoy the spooks and i will see you soon bye